Hi, everyone. You are now listening to BCC Sermons. Thanks for tuning in. After having uh, a witness someone be baptized and then receiving communion together as a church family and singing about becoming more aware of the Holy Spirit, I think that it's just very fitting because today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and how He transforms our lives through prayer and through studying Scripture. And so um, there's a certain line of that song that we just sang that I really like a lot. And that line is, let us become more aware of your presence. A lot of times we have this concept that we can somehow conjure up the Holy Spirit, and that's not how this thing works. Because if you are a Christian, you have the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. Amen? Amen. And he promises that he's going to be with us always, even to the end of the age. And we have been given that Spirit of God. And so I think that where we miss it is not necessarily this idea of us conjuring up a presence as much as this idea of us becoming more aware that he's here, us becoming more aware that he's present. And here's the thing, he is there to be our helper, as Jesus said, be the one who empowers us. And so here's what I'd like for us to do before we even get into this message today. Let's ask for our, our awareness of his presence to be increased today so that we can better hear and we can better obey the word, amen? So Lord, we humbly come before you today as we are just thinking about your presence. And we understand, Lord, that you're always with us. And we also know your word says that where there's two or more gathered, you're there. And so we're confident that we're in the presence of God. And so we ask you to help us to set aside our distractions, the things that we have that we may need to do later on today or perhaps even things we're excited about doing. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to set those things to the side so that you can be the sole focus of our heart, of our attention, of our affection, and so that we may leave this place and leave this time together changed with a greater awareness, a greater devotion, and a greater hunger to know God more and to serve you more and to obey you and to trust you more and ultimately to love you more. We thank you for increasing the awareness of your presence in us through your word and through us gathering here together today in Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter here to the church in Corinth, and he's trying to help them get synced up on some things. He wants them to understand the importance of unity, and he wants to connect them uh, in ministry and in their understanding of having a unified dependence upon God and not upon themselves. A lot of times we can get into this thing where we think that we're pretty sharp, we've accomplished a few things, uh, we've got some notches in our belt that we're proud of, some merit badges we feel that we've earned, and a lot of times we can begin to trust in those things. The Apostle Paul wants the church to be centered and trusting in God and the leading of the Spirit and wants them to be unified in their endeavors. And so he writes to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1, he says this, And I, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. 
For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Isn't this a great way for him to just say, guys, I didn't come to you with some sort of plan and strategy to manipulate or try to come up with some idea to come and to try to somehow conjure you uh, to, to be able to follow and to be able to get you to this place where you would think well of me. He said, I didn't come to you with these really smooth words. And here's the cool part is that the apostle Paul was actually educated, an extremely well-educated guy. There were two different dialects of Greek that were spoken and written in that day. There was like a common tongue Greek, and then there was like a higher echelon, kind of like, you know, the king's English, you know, thou and thee and though, and, you know, when people say those things, you're like, oh, well, they're, you know, half in society, right? And there's two different kinds of dialect in Greek that are recorded throughout history. And did you know that the entire New Testament in the original Greek in those writings was written in the common everyday tongue, and it was not written in that, which means that it is written for the common man, and God wants us to understand his word, amen? And Paul could have come to people with an impressive speech. He could have used his impressive educated dialect, but he said, I didn't come to you that way. That's not how I wanted to present Christ to you, as this is something just reserved for elitists. He said, I'm, I'm wanting to connect with you and understand Christ is for everyone. He said, only thing that I came claiming in confidence was not my, my speech and my own human wisdom. The only thing I'm confident in is Jesus Christ and himself crucified. Verse three, he says, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but rather in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So he's saying the things that are happening, the life change that's happening, is not a result of some smooth speech that I rehearsed and learned. It's not because I came up with the right words to say to cause the right change to happen in someone. He said, it's actually the, the opposite. It's not anything that I've done other than just tell people about Jesus, but it's been the spirit and the power of the spirit that's actually caused all the change that you're seeing. That's evidence that it's God and not me. And so he said, I want your confidence not to be in me, but I want it to be in the spirit of God and in his power. Verse six, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it's not a wisdom of this age and the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. 
The spiritual person judges all things, but himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So he's saying here that when you become a Christian and you have the Holy Spirit in you, the Spirit of God is actively working on the inside of you, you now can begin to truly understand and comprehend the things of God. He's saying someone who hasn't been illuminated to the things of God, someone who doesn't have the Spirit of God, they they don't understand. They don't have the capacity or the ability to understand. It's like something hidden from them or it's like something secret to them, as he said. But he said, once you have the spirit of God on the inside of you and you've seen your need for a savior and you've put your your faith and your trust and hope in Jesus Christ and he has made you new and you have now that indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, now you can understand spiritual things you didn't understand before because you are now connected to the spirit of God and it's a spirit to spirit thing. This isn't a mental thing. This isn't just more education. This isn't just more knowledge. That's what the world always wants to try to uh, promote. Uh, The world will always say, oh, we just need better understanding. We just need better knowledge. We need uh, people just to be able to understand this situation or this history or this piece or that piece. Or if we just understood culturally how to do this or dissect that. And if we lean into that, we're missing a huge component. And that's the part that actually brings true transformation at the heart level. Not just an information thing, but a complete rebirth in the spirit and growing and trusting in Christ and learning his ways. And those things become sweet and sacred to us. But to the world, they look at some of those things and they go, that doesn't make sense. I don't understand that. And that's because it's not something that we can just comprehend and teach to someone who does not have the spirit of God on the inside of them. So if you are a born again Christian, you have the Holy Spirit and you can understand spiritual truths and you should grow in them. The apostle Paul, he gives credit here to the fruitful ministry to the Holy Spirit, not to himself. You see how Paul says, it's the Spirit's power. It's not something I said. It's not something that I did. He wrote that we should live like this to where there's evidence of the Holy Spirit working in us in Galatians chapter 5. You know, in verse 22, he begins to list these things. If you've been in church for a while, these gifts of the Holy Spirit, this fruit of the Spirit, this evidence of the Spirit, he begins to say, there's things that should be produced in you because of the Spirit actively at work in you, evidence of it. And those things should be things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, right? That's the fruit of the Spirit. We can go and find out what kind of tree that a tree truly is by the type of fruit that it produces. You can put an apple tree sign in front of an orange tree all day long, and that does not change the type of fruit that it produces, right? You can say, I want an apple tree sign in front of this tree with these orange, round, circular fruits. And I think this is an apple tree. It doesn't matter what you think. A tree is known by its fruit, Jesus said. And so if it's producing oranges, it's an orange tree. If it produces apples, it's an apple tree. It doesn't matter at that point what you call it. And so that's the same in our lives. 
We cannot call ourselves Christians just because of the clothes we wear or where we park our car for an hour once a week or the type of language that we use that may sound impressive or spiritual. No, there will be evidence or fruit that we have the spirit on the inside of us. Because we're connected to this. You see, uh, he's the vine, we're the branch. And if we abide in him, he abides in us. And that same life that flows through that vine flows into the branch. And we are to produce fruit. Amen? And that's the evidence of the spirit of God on the inside of us. Now, a greater dependence upon the Holy Spirit is needed. A greater obedience to the Holy Spirit is needed in our lives to better understand and apply scripture so that we can be effective disciple makers. It's been great talking about going to all the world and make disciples. And we've been talking about mentoring. We've been talking about discipleship. We've been talking about groups. We've been talking about how how to have healthy Christ-centered relationships and hangouts. And all these things are wonderful and good and true. But can I tell you without the Holy Spirit's involvement, we're not going to be effective and we're not going to be fruitful. Because if what we're aiming to do and what we're uh, trying to embark upon as a church and as followers of Jesus, if it doesn't require the Holy Spirit, then it's not going to have the blessing of God on it. Amen. You see the things that we're pursuing, the things that we're called to do, it has to require God. It's got to be bigger than you and me and what we can do in our own strength. Amen. And so if we are called to be disciple makers, and we are, every single one of us, according to the Great Commission, then every one of us need the Holy Spirit working actively in our lives. Amen? So what does that mean, though? Like, what does that mean? Like, that sounds great, Pastor Derek. Like, uh, yeah, need the Holy Spirit. Okay. All right. Where do I start? Like, where do I start with that? So we're going to explore studying the Scripture prayerfully and obediently today with the power of the Spirit. So let's go over to John 16. John 16, and as you're turning there, I'll give you a quick commercial. You can uh, always use the YouVersion Bible app that's free and search for an event in your area on the menu. Make sure your location services are enabled so it'll see where you're at, and then it'll see you're at Bettendorf Christian Church, and you'll be able to follow along in the notes. So if you're trying to keep up with everything and you can make notes of your own in there and email them to yourself, it's a great tool that we utilize here. All right, John chapter 16 and verse six. Now, before I read verse six, I just wanna give you a little bit of what's happening here so we don't just jump into this out of context. Uh, So Jesus is talking to his disciples about the fact that he's going to leave and they don't understand. Like it doesn't make sense to them because, right, if Jesus is like walking with you in the flesh, on the earth, like what could be better than that? And Jesus tells his disciples, I'm going to go away. No, (laughs) you know, like that would be like the first thing I would say. No, no. Like, I don't want you to leave, right? I don't want you to go away. And then Jesus says something really strange to them. He says, it's better for you if I go away. What could be better than having Jesus in the flesh right there with you? And Jesus said, hey, it's better that I go away so that the Holy Spirit can come and work in you and through you. So here's what he says here. The disciples are like, oh my gosh, where is he going? Like, that's what they wanted to know. And so Jesus answers them this way. Verse six, but because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Well, yeah, (laughs) I'd be sad too. 
Verse seven, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he's going to convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they don't believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. And I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. You see, the Holy Spirit, the helper, literally in the Greek, that word means paraclete, side aid, helper. He is our helper, our indwelling presence and guide. The Holy Spirit advocates for, empowers, and illuminates God and his purposes for our lives. That is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we cannot do anything of eternal impact without a dependence on and an obedience to the Spirit of God. Amen? You see, we have to have a greater dependence upon the Spirit of God in our lives. Otherwise, we fall into this category of trusting in what we can produce with our own mind, our own intellect, our own wit, our own intuition, our own thoughts, our own education. And guess what? All of those things have limits. But then we serve a God that is limitless. And I would rather deepen my dependence upon him so that I can learn from him as I'm growing in spiritual things, as I'm growing in being led. He said, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit's going to lead you. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to your heart. The Holy Spirit is going to help you remember the things that I've told you and the things that you need for godly living. That's what the active Holy Spirit does in your life. He's going to empower you to do things. Jesus later says to the disciples in Acts 1 and 7 and 8, when he ascends into heaven, he talks about to go wait because the Holy Spirit's going to empower you with gifts to be able to do things that you can't do in your own strength. So you don't think that even the thing that I'm calling you to do and commissioning you to do is something that's dependent upon you because if it's dependent upon us, oh boy, right? We're in, we're in trouble. But if we're depending upon him, he's equipping us. See, he leads us, guides us, but then he doesn't leave us out there by ourselves. He equips us and he gives us what we need to accomplish the things that we need to accomplish for his glory. We cannot effectively make disciples without the Holy Spirit active in our lives. And here's the big idea for today. And and it's going to be a long one, so uh, we'll leave it on the screen so you can write it down or take a picture of it or whatever makes you happy. Okay? All right. A greater understanding of God comes from understanding and obeying Scripture. And a greater understanding and obedience to Scripture requires the Holy Spirit. I want us to get this because we want to have a greater understanding of who God is, right? We want to know him more, not just to know him more and increase our intellect, but actually to expand our heart to be able to follow him, to obey him, to trust him, for us to be led by him, all of these things that we're following him. And it comes from a greater understanding of who he is. 
And so I want to know God more. And for me to know God more and have a greater understanding of him, well, that comes from scripture as the foundation of knowing God more, right? We've talked about this, how scripture is that pathway that God has given us to help us to know God more. And so as we begin to know his word, we begin to know God more. But for me to effectively understand, and here's the other piece, not just understand, but obey, (laughs) Because we're not here just to all get smarter this morning, right? We're not all here just to go, oh, boy, I can't believe I go to to the church that talks about smart things. You know, like, who cares? Like, it doesn't matter. If you understand and you don't obey and you don't apply it, then you're deceiving yourselves, James says. He says, it's like you look in a mirror and then you turn away and you forget what you look like. A double-minded man, someone who does not understand what it means to both hear and then do. No, I'm going to hear, but I'm not going to do. No, I'm going to be obedient. So it's not just growing in understanding. So I hope today that you grow in understanding of who God is through the teaching of his word. I hope you get inspired to love God more through singing worship songs or seeing uh, someone baptized or receiving communion. I hope that stirs something in you. But more important than you being stirred and more important than you actually even learning something today, I think it's more important for you to actually take those things and let it turn into obedience, to obey, to follow, to activate this thing and actually do the word and be a doer, not just a hearer only. And for us to understand and obey the scripture, it requires something, man. It requires a deeper dependence upon the Holy Spirit of God. Because as I'm wanting to know God more, I need to say, Holy Spirit, help me to grow in knowing more about the heart and the nature of God. This is the basic premise of faith. It's the basic premise of faith because when I obey, what's that signaling? It's signaling that I trust, right? When I I wanna do it and when I don't wanna do it, it signals a few things. It signals that I trust God And it signals that I have a healthy fear of God because I trust him. I know he's good and I know he's loving and gracious and kind, but I also have a healthy fear of God because scripture says that's the beginning of wisdom in Proverbs 9 and 10. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And so as I apply that word, I'm walking in wisdom and it starts the foundation of that is that fear of the Lord. So I trust him. And I have a healthy fear and a healthy love of God because someone that I obey is someone that I love because I trust them and I respect and have a healthy fear and a holy reverence to God. And that's where I have to start. That's where I start. It's the premise of faith. That's what faith is. Romans 10 and 17 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if that faith comes by hearing and I'm hearing it and it begins to stir and activate in my life, then I need to take the next step of obedience and trust and growth. And so this is what I wanna help us to do today. I'm gonna give us a guide, five things that I believe is going to help us to be able to study scripture prayerfully and obediently through the leading and the following of the Holy Spirit so that we can accomplish what we talked about earlier, having that greater understanding of God and that greater understanding of scripture so that we can obey and how that requires the Holy Spirit. Here's some things that I think will help us to be able to do this and to grow in this. So this is equipping time, a guide to study the scriptures prayerfully and obediently. Number one, 
When you go to know God more through scripture and you open up the word, I don't even care if it's for a morning quick like minute devotional or whatever, if you've got like the Bible for busy believers or whatever, I don't know. <laughs> One minute with Jesus. I don't care what it is. Whatever you have, man, Christians are corny, golly. But, <laughs> but, we, but when we have stuff like that, and we, I mean, I'm not knocking those things, but I want you to hear this. Always, always, always start with prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to fill you with illumination, wisdom, discernment, boldness, with his gifts so you can know God more, so you can obey him. So you can make disciples. Like, what if we started our time in the word? Like, no matter how short or how long, because God's also, on the flip side of that, not impressed with your five-hour-long Bible reading plan a day either. God doesn't go, oh, you read the Bible five hours. See, you get a star by your name, Jack. Like, and so you can swing the pendulum either way. God, God's looking at the heart of this thing, Right? And he wants us to pursue him and want to know him more. And so in my desire to know God more, I need to start my time in the word pursuing God. And I need to just say, God, I need your Holy Spirit to fill me today. Because Jesus said the Holy Spirit would help me to see the things I need to see and remember the things I need to remember. Help me to learn more about you. Help to open my eyes. And one of the things the Holy Spirit does is illuminate illuminates. That's what the apostle Paul was talking about. First Corinthians chapter two, he was talking about this greater dependence upon the Holy spirit because it's a spirit to spirit thing. This isn't something that I can just read with, um, <clears throat> unrenewed eyes. He said, you have the mind of Christ in this thing. Like understand this is a spirit to spirit thing. It's not just a, a textbook. It's not just something that we read for information. It's not just a historical book. No, this is a living word. It is alive. It is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And so when we open the Holy Scriptures, we are reading the words of God that are spirit-breathed, God-breathed, the breath of God. I mean, a lot of people say things like, oh, God's going to have to speak to me audibly before I'll move to, you know, the ends of the earth, or God's going to speak to me audibly before I do this or do that. Well, you know, God is speaking to us audibly because his word is God breathed. What if we read the, the scriptures? What if we read this Bible with that type of weight, with that type of seriousness? What if we approached it with that type of humility? What if we approached the Bible that way? This is the breath of God. This is God breathed. This is the word of God. And so if I do that, I need to start with prayer. Holy Spirit, fill me with illumination. I want to see what I need to see. Open my eyes. What if I prayed for wisdom? Holy Spirit, I, I, I want to have wisdom in this thing because I want to be able to rightly discern and divide this word. And so pray for discernment. Ask. Holy Spirit, help me to see. I want to see correctly. I want to interpret correctly. Help me to have boldness. Holy Spirit, help me have boldness because I may see something in your word today. I may see something about God that challenges something in me that requires me to step out and do something uncomfortable. 
You may be calling me to a step of obedience when I read the word today that causes me to have to let go of some things or embrace some things or confess some things or, or say something to someone that, that, that I've wronged or whatever. And it may be a step that, that is really uncomfortable and cringy. And I need boldness to do that because I don't possess that on my own. Because if I possessed it on my own, I probably would have already done it. So spirit, I need you. Holy Spirit, I need you to help me to discern, have the boldness. And then his gifts. We see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through chapter 14, him talking about how the Holy Spirit empowers believers with gifts. And the purpose of those gifts is to evangelize the gospel and to be able to build up and edify the body of Christ. And I want us to be a church that's dependent on that, that's saying, Spirit, give me what I need today to do what I need to do because the scripture says that the Holy Spirit gives us gifts as he wills. And so it's the Holy Spirit's willing to give those gifts. But the Apostle Paul also said it's good for us to desire those gifts. He said, so there's nothing wrong with that. But don't just think, oh, this person has this gift or that gift, and so that makes them more special or more spiritual. No, it's, it's the Spirit that gives what the person needs for whatever the assignment is. But we have to ask and we have to depend and trust because it's still not a depending on me thing. It never becomes that. It's never supposed to be that. Amen, church? And the reason that we need to pray this prayer is because we want to obey God more and we want to make more disciples. And we keep that grounded. We keep that prayer grounded when we open up the word of God. I guarantee you that'll revolutionize your Bible study if you start praying that way before. The second thing, a guide to study scripture prayerfully and obediently is to approach the scriptures humbly to learn the heart of God in order to obey. What if we came to the text that way? Man, a lot of times we go to the text just looking either to prove our spouse wrong. Where's that scripture? There's that submit scripture. You know, where's that? Where's that love scripture? Or we go to find another text to beat somebody up or to argue with somebody. Or we find something to make us feel better because we're having a bad day. It's like, you know, you had a bad day. Go find the scripture make you feel better. And, and you go look for it. And it's like, and, that, and honestly, like people, we, we're not in our Bibles because we don't understand the purpose of the scripture. What if, what if, we approach the Bible humbly instead of with what I know, because yeah, I know that part. Yeah, I know that part. Yeah, I know that part. What if we humbly said, Holy Spirit, teach me. Show me. And I humbly don't go to the scripture with what I know and what I've already made up in my mind, what I've already decided, and then I go looking for it in the Bible. What if instead I approach and say, teach me, Lord. Teach me your ways. Give me discernment. I wanna, my goal is to know your heart so I can obey you. What if that was our goal in reading the scripture? Because sometimes I read the scripture and it doesn't make me feel good. <laughs> sometimes I read the scripture and I'm like, oh man, I've got some work to do. Holy Spirit, I need you. Help me obey this. Because this is hard, right? It can be challenging. It can be confronting. I'm just not always looking for the things that make me feel good. If you just want to go find things to make yourself feel better, man, you can Google that. You can find some YouTube channel or some blogger or some pastor, some preacher. Somebody will make you feel better. But it's not always the goal, right? Sometimes I need to be challenged. 
Sometimes I need a swift kick in the pants, right? And the word will do that. If I humble myself, sometimes I do go to the scriptures and I do find encouragement and I do find that, that peace and that joy. And that's great too. And they're, they're, that's appropriate. But I'm saying, Holy Spirit, you give me what I need. Not me just going and saying, I'm going to tell you what I need. No, Lord, what do you want me to know about your heart today? And how can I obey? How can I take that next step? The third thing is to learn to think exegetically first. Now, if you're not a seminarian, that's okay. All right? You don't have to go to seminary to understand how to properly exegete scripture. Here's the simple layman's terms for you to start with. This is where you start when you go to read the Bible, okay? The original intent of the inspired author, what did it mean to the original audience? Ask yourself, because guess what? The only inspired person in scripture was the original author, not the commentary that was written after, not the person who, who preached it and expounded upon it. No, no, no. The only person that was inspired to write the words of God were the original author. And so we have to anchor our interpretations in what was the intent of the Holy Spirit inspiring that person to write what they wrote. And we need to learn that. And we need to understand that and anchor ourselves in that. And then what would it mean to the original audience, whether they were hearing it read or whether they were reading it on some sort of scroll or something? What would it have meant to them? If we do proper exegesis first and we learn and train ourselves to think exegetically, and I try to do that, I don't know. I know you you guys are smart, right? And so I I know you guys try to pick up what I'm dripping when I teach and I preach. And so like when I'm preaching, a lot of times I don't just go and immediately read the scripture, do I? I don't just jump in. What do I always do? I give you just a quick little history lesson or a quick little, this is what was going on. Or hey, the Apostle Paul, he was in prison. He was dealing with this and he was dealing with that. And this is what he was trying to accomplish. Or hey, Jesus was doing this or that and he was about to go here. And so when we pick up the scripture, I want you to understand the context of the story because I want us to be trained to think exegetically so we can anchor ourselves in the original intent and not get into goofy land, Right? <laughs> Not into that. Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, don't want to go back, all right? I want to be anchored in the truth of God's word, amen? Amen. And to do that, I have to learn to think exegetically. And so I need to be a person who's asking these questions when I approach it. So then the, the fourth thing is to apply healthy hermeneutics second. So that word hermeneutics simply means what did it, what is, what does it mean to me today? How am I interpreting it today? What does it mean to you? A lot of times people go and they try to apply hermeneutics before exegesis. Then I didn't say extra Jesus. I said exegesis, okay? (laughs) A lot of people go to scripture with hermeneutics, but they don't have a healthy exegesis because they go to the scripture and they're looking for what does it mean to me? What does it mean to me? What does it mean to me? How does it apply to my life? Have you stopped before you started that? Do you have a healthy understanding of what it originally meant? Or what the intent was of the original inspired author who was inspired by the Holy Spirit writing the words of God to his people for a reason? What was the reason for that? And once I start and I begin to think exegetically, then, then, yes, I need to know what does it mean to me. I need to know how to obey. But man, I have to first start with what it meant to them before I can ask what it means to me. Otherwise, I'm reading through an ancient thousands of year old text that was written to an Eastern culture through modern day lenses of Western eyes. And it's very, very different. 
And I can come up with some interpretations and read some things into a book that's been translated over thousands of years and a book that is not in its original writings because we're not sitting here reading this in Greek or reading this in Aramaic or reading this in Hebrew. We're reading it in modern day English. And so as I read it, I can take modern day English thinking and put my modern day English thinking, my modern day English language upon the Bible. And especially when people get excited about being literalists, they can look at something and they can just be literal with certain pieces when you have to look at the broader context. Because we can piece together some very strange scriptures if we're not careful, because we're not looking at it in a healthy way. So we first have to ask, what did this mean to them before I can ask what it means to me. It's important to do healthy hermeneutics, but to do that, you have to first start by thinking exegetically. And so there's a lot of ways we can do that. I've taught us on that before. Um, I think that one of the quickest ways, if you're new to this, new to scripture, is a really good study Bible. Because at the beginning of every book of the Bible, in a really good study Bible, like ESV study Bible, which is the one I use, it's my favorite, or NIV study Bible, that's a really good one. It's got some solid translators that work really, really hard. If you go at the beginning of every book of the Bible, it's gonna give you a rundown of a little historical narrative of what happened. And you can read like, hey, this is what was happening during that time. This is what they were facing. This is kind of where the author was at. This is probably why they wrote this scripture. This is probably why they wrote these words and we're trying to help people understand these things. Okay, now that I understand what was going on, then when I go to read, I'm able to think a lot healthier and stay away from poor interpretation and poor hermeneutics where I began to make the Bible say or mean something that it doesn't mean or say. And so I wanna stay anchored and be a healthy discerner and be someone who is led by the spirit, amen? And I need to do that work in there. So I, I would encourage you to do that as well. There's a lot of other tools out there, but if you're new to that, I would encourage you ESV, NIV, study Bible, read the um, historical and occasion and purpose and author. Those things will really help you in reading your Bible. Um, and the fifth thing and the last thing here, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you in what commands to obey and seek other spirit-led and spirit-filled believers in order to exhort you to obey. In other words, healthy accountability, sharpening one another. So if you read something in the scripture and you're praying and saying, the Spirit, help me to see what things I need to obey and, and, and like, what are you commanding me to do today? What are you asking me to do? What are you telling me to do today? And then go and talk to my brothers and sisters in Christ that I know love me and care about me and want to see me grow in these things and say, this is where I'm at. And, and this is what I feel like I saw in scripture and what God's telling me to do. And, and as I'm seeing this, I want to obey in my life, but man, I, I know I struggle and I have this and I have that. And, you're going, and, and maybe it may even be a healthy rhythm of being in the word, whatever the case is. Have someone hold you accountable where you guys can text each other, call each other, get together once a week and, and, just, and maybe have a conversation or once a month over coffee and check in and say, hey, are, are you doing that thing that you asked me to check in with you about because you said God told you to do that? And be able to have those healthy rhythms and those people in your lives. That's part of this, this iron sharpening iron. That's part of this generational mentoring that we're talking about, where people are helping others to grow and be able to share their life experience, hold each other accountable, exhort one another, encourage one another, help each other to stay focused on what God wants us to when we see something in his word. Because otherwise, otherwise, church, 
What's the purpose of all of the great inspiration that we get? I mean, I, I love, I love when people come to me on Sunday and they'll say something like, man, pastor, that was a really good sermon. You know, I stepped on my toes, brother. And, you know, people say things like, oh, do you have like a camera in my house or something like that? Because you were talking to just me directly. No, most of you, some of you, yes. Um, and you just have to wonder who you are. Are you, are you a camera or non-camera person? Uh, but it's, but people say those things to me and it's encouraging, you know, because people are trying to say, Hey, that, 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 that touched me at the heart level. And I think that that's great. And I love that. And I'm not saying don't say those things because it is encouraging to hear. But what I really want you to do is take that and actually go apply it and do whatever you feel inspired to do. Otherwise we're wasting the moment of inspiration. The moment of inspiration can come through teaching the word. A moment of inspiration can come through worship when Pastor EJ and the team's leading us through worship. A a, a moment of inspiration or conviction or confrontation can come through receiving communion. It can come through watching a young man be baptized. All these different things. It can come through a conversation before or after. It doesn't matter what vehicle God uses for the Holy Spirit to get to your heart to create that moment of inspiration. But the obedience piece... That's the purpose of the inspiration, not just to make you feel the feels, because if you're just chasing the feeling and you're just chasing the goosebumps and you're just chasing the inspiration, that's going to run out and run dry. And then you're going to wonder, well, what's wrong with the church? I don't feel what I used to feel. And it's not the church. It's our lack of obedience at the point of inspiration. That's the crossroads. It's obedience. Because he's calling us to obedience. That's what Jesus said in the Great Commission. He said, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey. That's what we're supposed to do. In Luke 11, 9 through 13, Jesus just got through talking about how to pray. He taught his disciples what we call the Lord's Prayer. And then after he taught them the Lord's Prayer... Because they wanted to know, how, Jesus, how do we pray? In Luke 11, he tells them this after he taught them the Lord's Prayer. He says, verse 9, he says, I tell you, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be opened to you. For everyone who asks and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it'll be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will he instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He's literally saying the power of God is available. This illumination, this discernment, this helper is available. We just have to ask and stop depending on ourselves. That's really what asking is, isn't it? It's humility, right? Especially with us guys. Hey, you need a hand with that? No, I got it, right? And that's what makes great YouTube videos is the guy who says, I got it. (laughs) Because he thinks he has something and he didn't ask for help. The Holy Spirit requires humility, requires us to ask. And Jesus said right here, he said, ask. He just got through teaching them how to pray, teaching them how to talk to God. And then he says, now ask. Don't you know God's going to give you good things? Ask. Step into disciple-making this week and begin to fulfill the great commission. That's my challenge to you, church. 
Step into disciple making this week and begin to feel, fulfill the great commission. Jump into the deep end of the pool together as a church family. Let's start discipling today. Not next week, not when we feel good enough. Let's begin discipling our spouse, our child, our grandchild, our neighbor, our friend, our coworker by inviting them to know God more as you are pursuing to know God more through scripture. The things you've learned today, invite someone to walk alongside you. We can't wait. We, we have no reason to wait anymore. All we have to do is ask the Holy Spirit to equip you, to give us the boldness, because we're called to obey and to teach others to obey. That's discipleship. So I want to challenge every person in this room who knows Jesus, every single person watching online who knows Jesus, to start discipling someone today. Because this is why we gather. This is why we exist. It's for the glory of God. It's for his purpose. It's for his commandment, his commission. The time is now. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the word of God. Let's go. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the word of God. Let's go. Let's take these things that we've learned and take this moment of inspiration and say, hey, son, hey, daughter, I'm going to start discipling you. Hey, friend, hey, co coworker, hey, neighbor, I want to invite you into a Bible study with me to be able to speak in, into your life and to learn God's word more together. I want to walk with you. Hey, person sitting next to me in church, hey, you want to get together this week for coffee and let's start going through the word together to know God more? Let's start doing this. Hey, you want to come over to my house this week? Let's get together and let's open the word of God more and, and let's take these things that we've learned, let's take this point of inspiration and let's step into trusting the Holy Spirit by obeying. Yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah, it's going to be messy. It's not going to be perfect. You're not going to do it just right. Don't worry about that. That's what the Holy Spirit's there for because it's bigger than you. Amen? Because there's been times when I've gotten in the car with my spouse after a Sunday morning, and I said, man, I felt really great about that sermon. And my wife's like, Derek, that was the worst sermon you've like ever preached. Didn't make any sense. I thought you were sleep deprived. And then I've had messages where I felt like I couldn't get the words out right. And my thoughts were so scattered and they didn't make sense. And I'd be frustrated while I'm up here actively teaching. And then I'm in the lobby and someone comes up to me with tears in their eyes and tells me how God used the words of what was shared that morning to, to help them to see something they've never seen before. And I'm like, how does that even work? It's the Holy Spirit. It's not you. It's not me. And so you're at that point today. You've been making excuses for why you haven't been discipling. You've been waiting to grow to a certain level to, for you to feel qualified. Can I tell you, the enemy will make sure that line of you feeling qualified always moves out of your reach. Can I tell you, the enemy will always make sure just when you get close enough to that line where you feel qualified, he's going to make sure something happens or some word gets whispered in your head or some doubt comes up that makes that line move just a few inches further out of your reach. It's not about you being perfect. It's not about you having everything figured out. It's about you being obedient and trusting and saying, Holy Spirit, you fill in the gaps because there's lots of gaps. So Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask you to give me the gifts I need. Give me the boldness and the courage. Let's start discipling today. Let's start those discipling relationships today where we're going into the scripture to know God more together with someone else coming alongside with us. 
yeah, you don't have all the answers. I don't either. People ask me questions in the Bible all the time. I go, I have no idea what that means. I don't know what everything means. You don't know what everything means. I'm chasing after the heart of God. You want to come along with me? Lord, help us do this. We need your Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, come in to every person with a feeling of overflowing where we need your gifts, your presence, your illumination, your, your discernment, your wisdom, your boldness, your love. So Spirit of God, fill us to overflowing and may we be effective disciples and disciple makers who are fruitful for your glory in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for tuning in online. Our in-person service times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. To learn more about BCC, visit us at bettendorfcc.com. Have a great day.